0: So when last we gathered at this hallowed gaming table, we were in the charming village of Hembley the twins, unfortunately were afflicted with some strong sun poisoning from their time in the Southlands desert. And so Owlin and Radford spent their time, um, preparing for the journey ahead. If you will, they spent a couple days, I believe it's two days total, um, meeting a couple of strangers around the area. Owlin went to visit the local library uh, after being very impressed with its organizational system and technique, Mm -hmm. uh, went to the local library and read up on some of the things that were to come. The group purchased a map, which uh, I'm actually able to put right on screen here. Ah, so for those of you watching this live, you can see the map that they wow. purchased. This is obviously yeah. a point crawl map. It's not like a to scale map, but I think this is going to be the easiest for us to understand as we navigate about the wilderness. So each section is numbered. So you may hear throughout the game tonight, the players saying, yeah, we're going to go from, you know, space number five to space number six or something like that. Um, that's just so that we can communicate with each other. But the regions are are correct. So you would have to go through the foothills to get to the cliffs or the low peaks. And then you can go into the rusty jungle. And then above that is the high peaks. So that's just a, a general flow of of the area, which we can bop back and forth to. And it's um, yeah, so to, is there anything else, Alan and Radford that you want to take care of in the charming village of Hembley who before venturing into the mountains, or are we ready to go into the rusty mountains?
1: Uh, if I remember correctly, the whole goal of last session was to be ready. So I think we're ready.
0: I agree. <laughs> I just, I'm giving you another chance. I'm giving, yep. I'm giving you a, a mulligan here if you need it. Uh, great. So then we do head into these wait, wait. here. Rusty Was that mountains. you asking if we need a, a mulligan? It's too like. late now. Uh, here's <laughs> the, the Rusty Mountains on the map in front of you. You can see the world that awaits you. Uh, Alan, talk to me about the route you want to take. And are you still planning to go to the Rusty Geyser? Is that your destination right now?
1: Yeah, the intended destination is the Rusty Geyser, following along with um, uh, Radford's dream. Okay. So we're starting at Hembley who it looks like.
0: And it, uh, it basically breaks down for our audio listeners. There are kind of two, there's an like a higher path and a lower path here. So there's a way to get there that goes through the foothills into the barren cliffs that rise above Hembley who before you come into the rusty jungle. And then you kind of follow through the canopy a little bit until you get to the rusty geyser or you can take a sort of lower road where you go through the foothills into the low peaks and then just kind of dip through the cliffs real quick before you're in the rusty jungle to make it to the geyser and so these are kind of the two different paths that the group is deciding between
2: Um, what did we gather information wise about those caves like the dungeons and stuff
0: the dungeons that are marked on your map here are the dungeons that are fairly well scouted and are, are the ones that are commonly visited by adventuring groups who are new or looking for like, hey, a guaranteed dungeon with some loot. They're pretty expansive. They go pretty deep. People haven't quite found the end of them, but people have gone into them enough that they're a known quantity.
1: This does look like the Clash at Demonhead Head map. Um, I think uh, Radford. uh I cannot remember Mm -hmm. if we discussed this previously. Do you have a preference uh, or did the map maker have a preference between the high route and the low route to get to the jungle?
2: Well, I don't think there was a preference on the map, per se. We just got a good heading. The uh, I will say, though, that in my dream, it looked like that person. I don't know if it was a do or not. Was on a high cliff kind of dove off Mm. into some other like as part of moving on. So it may be advantageous for our search to take the high route. Maybe maybe there's a trail we could pick up there. Even though but I don't know how old this was either. But it had to have been at least some reason. Maybe it was just because they could fly. But that's perhaps
1: however um if it's if it was the route that was taking the dream I don't see any
2: reason why not. Here's an idea, though. Um, really big, tall cliffs. Yes. Are probably where those really big birds live. Perhaps. Uh, so that I might be a reason not to go.
1: The alternate uh, reasoning would be that the low peaks, you know, the smaller uh, cliffs and such, they are likely where the scorpion people, uh, the Tinkali. Mm-hmm. reside. Um, so I believe mm. we will be facing off against some sort of
2: predator uh, to us um, either either way. I mean, honestly, I think we could kick that Big Bird's butt, so I'm not worried about it. Uh, I, I think that I'll follow either, your lead. I, I believe that because of the route that
1: was taken in your dream, we should take the high road through the cliffs. Um, are the, the twins,
2: are they are they, uh, are they awake yet? Um, Hold on, let me check. Hey, you two. We're getting ready to go. Get your junk together.
3: Uh yeah. hello sister how are you feeling today I'm
4: still getting my things together just bear with me Um did we did we miss anything since we were incapacitated Uh nothing
1: much in the way of uh um excitement uh unless you consider which I do uh libraries and new forms of cataloging Ooh. literature Exciting. I do. You'll have to tell me all about it. Oh, yes, that is right up your alley. I forgot about that. I will tell you on the journey, um, but we found a map and we are looking at a route Ooh, and um, uh, Radford, I am sure you will want to describe to them your vision.
2: You I sure. do that. Yeah, he does so. Okay.
0: okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I have a very detailed uh reproduction of my vision on twitch.tv slash wing badger gaming <laughs> in the VOD section. You can check it out. Or
1: in any podcast app.
0: Uh you it can post it there. It's that also is where on I have YouTube, them. says Lonnie the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> you can also see it right there. Um that's very convenient.
1: Stock up with water and food. Yes, and we will we will do that on the way out.
4: Did we manage to get a guide?
1: Uh, We decided uh, that due to the secrecy of our mission, uh, the map will do. Because we have the map and it has been drawn out specifically as to our route, that we will not need a guide.
4: Uh, I do not necessarily agree with that, but I understand um, if I'm outvoted on this one. I I feel like perhaps a guide would know things about the local area that the map will not tell you.
1: That was what uh, a lot of our day yesterday was spent doing, was finding out things about the local area. So I went to the library to research a lot of the things about the local area, such as the Tinkali Scorpion people that reside around here, um, as well as other things about the area and the lore and the history around it. And uh, Radford spent the day talking to the locals, so...
3: Were those the things that got eaten by the birds when we were in the desert? Mm
4: -hmm. Yes. I still feel like perhaps having just a guide who has more experience in the area might be able to recognize things that, while we have the knowledge of, we might not recognize. You don't trust my vision? I don't trust your vision to carry Mm -hmm. us through miles of... Forests, cliffs, and jungles.
2: Oh, that's weird.
4: I'm
1: just saying Did Boss trusts my vision. I, I trust his vision. Well To be completely fair, you were the one who got sun
4: poisoned and slept for two entire days. I I cannot disagree with that. That's why I usually well, take precautions. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're not used to the desert heat.
2: You and me both. I do better in cold places.
3: I do better in a nice green forest.
2: Well, hey, that's where where we're going.
1: We are headed to a dangerous, deadly jungle, so marginally better. What sort of dangers? Oh, we actually don't know that much about that because no one does. Even the guides? Nope. They don't want to go there because they think they will die. So... That is also part of why we don't have a guide, is because if we told them that we were going to the jungle, they would say no. We learned that from talking to a couple of people.
4: Perhaps we could barter and have someone escort us through the cliffs.
1: Again, I don't
2: think it's a problem. I I, I
4: believe that we will handle the cliffs on our own. Okay. Well, when something bad happens, I won't tell you that I told you so.
3: I'm... Bad stuff has already happened. I feel like it's going to continue.
1: And if there's anything I know about this group is that bad stuff will happen. But that <laughs> is part of the experience. <laughs> and part of saving the world.
4: I mean,
3: we did get buried by a sandstorm. Not like moments after stepping into the desert.
4: I don't want to be reminded of that. Let's push forward. Well, then.
1: As to not be reminded of sandstorms, we will push into the mountains. Yes, exactly. And on our way out, we'll grab some food and water.
0: And so we do. This group pushes into the mountains, which uh, we can now see on our on our screen here. Are you taking the high road or the low road, Alan?
1: We are taking the high road, as to follow the general path that we that Radford saw in his dream.
0: Got it. So um, that means okay. So what I would like from you folks is let's get a. someone's going to be your navigator, um, and they're going to roll survival with advantage to keep you on track. Someone is going... That's because you have the map, so that's advantage. Someone is going to be your lookout to prevent you from getting into dangerous, spontaneous encounters. They're going to roll perception. Someone is going to be in charge of your supplies. They're going to roll a constitution save with advantage. And someone is going to be in charge of, um, actually, that's probably all we need. So let's start with those three. You can delegate those roles as you will. So I need a survival check with advantage. I need a constitution save with advantage because you're buying all your supplies in town, so you probably won't run out. And I need a, um, a perception check as your lookout.
1: Alan will do the supplies.
4: I wouldn't mind uh, flying and doing the perception.
1: I'm Who not a good navigator, is a, is a good navigator. Yes, that's what not, I was me. Going to ask. not me, I believe we
2: spoke about trusting your eyes, Radford. With survival. I mean, I've survived on my own, but I don't have particular training in that. I was going to maintain everybody's shoes. Hmm. I see. Well, I... I mean, I can. It's got to come down to somebody, I suppose. If somebody wants
4: to do perception instead, I could try doing survival.
1: Zombie I go that.
4: Are you keen <laughs> at
1: perception? Uh,
3: keen I, at I am not. I um, spend most of my time in a library with books that are organized very nicely.
2: Well, I'm just good at punch and stuff.
1: I am equally average at both perceiving <laughs> and at surviving, but I am above um. average at maintaining supplies. So whatever trade off we feel is necessary. Is there someone else who feels they would be a pretty decent at maintaining the supplies? I can, I can maintain make supplies. the supplies. Stop. We will have you maintain the supplies and uh Radford, we will have you maintain our shoes. I will uh, guide us Via survival, and that will be it. And Riley, you will, you will. Uh, what was, the, what was the other one? Perceive. Keep a lookout.
4: Yes. Oh, keep a lookout. Yes.
1: Does that sound? Does that sound positive? I to think everybody? you made some
2: good choices, boss. Thank you. All right, here we go. Yep. Let's <laughs> make those rolls. Whenever <laughs> you're ready. Um, so
4: you said uh, perception uh, advantage or no?
0: No, just normal perception from the lookout.
4: I guess it doesn't matter because nat
0: 20.
1: Very nice. Dirty 20 on the survival.
0: All right.
3: I am in the process of rolling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you roll real dice, they just they just roll. That's true.
3: Processing. (laughs) I always forget to open it it, because it doesn't work. The roller doesn't work well in edge, but it works fine in Firefox. Uh 14 for the con save.
0: Okay. Um, your supplies are enough to last the journey to the rusty geyser. Um, but you certainly don't make them stretch any longer than what you already had along your path. As you first enter the foothills, you spend five, fairly generic, bland days kind of maneuvering through, you know, the mountains are pretty barren and empty and especially in the lower foothills, it's pretty easy to see a long way off. And so nothing is able to really catch you off guard or surprise you. You see a few little cave entrances and things, but for the most part, the foothills are highly explored territory. You even see a number of other adventuring parties who are going out for the equivalent of a day hike from the town of Hembleyhu, and so they'll go out to like one of these closer dungeons, do like a quick little, you know investigation and then come back with whatever they could find. Um, On the fifth day, you make it to the cliffs. You pass from space six to space 15 there, and then you'll be moving to the North from that point. Um, You make it into the cliffs and the cliffs are uh, significantly scarier because there's so much verticality a lot of your time is spent climbing. And so you find yourselves being slowed by that, but also like in the heat with the wind rushing across the cliffs and the dangers that all of that presents, it's very slow going to um, keep yourself safe just in the way you're traveling. Now, luckily you stop to pick up adventuring supplies. And so you have enough rope and anchors and things to make sure that you can maneuver up the cliff safely. As you get higher and higher, the air gets harder and harder to breathe. And so that slows you down a little bit. Um, and you can now see looking back towards Hembley, who, you know, you have this this grand vista view on one side that is, for the most part, very brightly lit. The sun comes up um, and just there's there's no clouds. There's nothing impeding your view. And so over there, it's it's pretty nice. On the other side of you looking through the cliffs, there's a lot of shadow, you know, between all the different edges of the cliffs poking up and the sharper sort of points that, that these cliffs come to. Um, it's a lot harder to see what's coming. Luckily for you, you have a wheatling who can fly, serving as your lookout. And so, um, with with Riley able to get up a little bit higher, and you know, maybe even scout a little bit ahead and kind of warn you around, you successfully avoid several rock nests of those large two hundred foot birds. Um, nice. You avoid an ambush that's set by a particularly brave group of Tinkali who have made their way into the, Dang. the cliffs here. And, uh, as the 16th day comes to a close, you find your way into the rusty jungle, sitting at the top of the cliffs. You are kind of resting one evening, taking your ease and in front of you, um, about maybe a hundred feet down and then stretching off for, it almost looks like you're looking into a valley of grass. The canopy is so thick. Um, but it's just, it's just green jungle canopy, deep sage greens mixed in with a little bit of browns and yellows as we are approaching fall. And so some of the, the larger trees, the closer to the sky, they're beginning to turn colors and, um, and maybe drop some of their leaves, but not enough yet that there will be any sunlight really within the rusty jungle. And so as we approach the rusty jungle itself and whatever hidden horrors lie there, we find ourselves once again at a story time. In the Wing Badger Tavern, and we will be right back.
2: Senir, Gantius, Kotix, Owara. Long ago, the four ancients created a world in harmony.
0: Then everything changed when the chat emped magic. Only Kelnor, master of good vibes, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished.
2: Two years have passed, and four adventurers have discovered a conspiracy: a company selling magic. And although their role play is great, they have a lot of XP
0: to earn before they're ready to save anyone. But I believe they can save the world. And so we do indeed find ourselves over top of the rusty jungle. As the sun goes down in the distance, the outline of the high peaks on the other side of this sort of valley area, you know, they stretch up outlined in red, uh, sort of crimson, fiery glow against the otherwise dark night sky beyond. The sun having gone down far enough that we're truly in dusk at this point. You can hear the wind kind of rushing down the sides. Of the high peaks into the trees beginning to rustle the, the different phases. No, we're not going to do character introductions chat. Trust me, I got you. Um, the, the trees begin to rustle as the leaves sway back and forth. And you are now faced with the prospect of actually venturing into the rusty jungle. And as you're sitting there considering what to do, you begin to hear the sound of the trees creaking, almost like they're pressing upwards towards you, like the jungle itself is reaching out to you, this dark, ominous figure trying to pull you in, bring you deeper. And it almost feels like you can hear whispers on the wind, whispers of something, I don't know, something otherworldly, something ethereal. I would like you to describe to me how each of your characters react to this shifting of the etherealness and also introduce yourself for the stream as you begin heading down the thin mountainous path and into the rusty jungle.
1: Alan is an Azamar barbarian. He, Azamar barbarian artificer. He uh, is definitely keeping one hand... On the like holster of his mini flamethrower that he has, his arcane cannon, his Eldritch cannon. Uh, he has his spectacles on. He's looking around. He's making sure that through this like whispering distraction, that's definitely setting them on edge. That he's remaining aware at all times, um, and he'll kind of motion to the rest of the group. Uh, to like follow him, like kind of his military training is kicking in. Um, and I am Jake. I play Allen. And also, I think it's hilarious that I never realized that this is why we've had a jungle themed overlay for this
2: entire season so far. <laughs> anyway. Hey, I'm Wash. I'm playing Radford the White. He's a white dragonborn monk. He's a, a follower a a a babby follower of Kelnor. He hasn't been following him for very long. And so I think in this time he is sensing the danger and maybe falling back on his his older training at the monastery. Um I think he has has is doing two things. He's he's taken to the treetops and is kind of like Naruto hopping from branch to branch keeping an eye out on things, but also while his instincts and his training are kind of taking over, he's trying to force his mind to feel the vibe of this place, to like really get a sense of like there's something going on in the background and he's trying to find out what that is.
3: Hello. I am Trevor. I play Zop Kit O'Larry, the Wheatling Warlock, one of two twins who are twins. Um, I think Zop would is kind of used to kind of hearing things, being a warlock, having a patron, and then also used to like the noises that come with just forests in general. Um, So he's confident in his abilities of himself and um, his patron Andromeda will—he knows—will protect him.
4: I am Cleo. I play Riley, um, also one of the twins, uh, the second one out of the first one introduced. Um, she's more, I guess, looking at this as an opportunity to express creativity. Um, she's pulling out her book and she's like, "This is this is why I came along was to was to experience new things and to draw from it." And is kind of ignoring the potential dangers, I guess, just not realizing yet how dangerous the jungle might be.
0: And as Alan leads the way down that path, a hand gripping his weapon just in case. The, the need should arise. You hear something rush past in the night, but you don't see anything. No sign of a living creature. No uh, growl to indicate an, an imminent attack. Nothing like that. And as the dim, moonlit sp- uh, expanse of the tree canopy fades away behind you, the four of you find yourself plunged into the total darkness of the rusty jungle at nighttime. Fun. What will we do? I would, I would like someone to roll a survival with disadvantage to navigate for you. Actually you can roll it normal cause you've got the map, but it's so say, dark. I'll it's going to be really hard again. to pick out a path.
1: He'll continue doing that roll. Go for it. Um, especially since he's the one like leading the, the group.
0: Yeah, definitely. 14. Perfect. Uh, 14 Allen gets a, a sense that he, he thinks he's on the right track here. Um, did
1: we, can we see the geyser at all from our s- s- spot in the peaks in the, in the
0: no, but off in the distance, okay. you can hear it okay. as it kind of gently pulses upwards in the night. Um, as you're, as you're following Allen, uh, the twins and Radford, you are paying a little more attention to your surroundings while Allen is trying to navigate and you begin to hear other things on the wind, things that make no sense. Uh, the wind that's kind of, you know, it, it comes down from the high peaks, brushes across the tree canopy, and then kind of dead ends on the cliffs. And so right as you enter the, the jungle, you have just wind, you know, slamming into your face. And it feels like it's carrying sounds that make no sense. Like you hear a boat creaking on the waves, and you hear the sound of a horse galloping, and things things that just like they can't be here like there's no room for a horse to gallop in the rusty mountains there's certainly nowhere in the high peaks or on the cliffs behind you those are barren mountains they're sun parched like there's no way for things like that to live obviously no boat can sail up here but you just hear like little little bits and pieces from time to time little little just like little snippets of of strange sounds that don't fit as you find yourselves moving into the rusty jungle. So looking at the map here, we're at space 23 headed towards space 24. So we're up on the Northern part of the rusty jungle here. And as we move through, I'm going to add the first die to the tension pool and see if anything happens. Now this first night goes relatively easily for you, although you're going to need to stop and make camp somewhere. Um, and unless you're going to roll constitution saves and continue through the night, I guess that's no, a, a decision our, for we- you.
1: We have our tent. We're going to make camp.
0: Okay. Uh, you make camp. Are you trying to hide your camp at all? Or are you just going to sort of find anywhere the tent fits and put it down?
1: Um, Alan will at least make some attempt to hide the tent, especially some, some attempt to hide the tent. Great. Uh, Just, just, yeah, it's because we're not in the desert, like in the desert. It's like, all right, you're in a tent. That's, you know, in a jungle, there's a bit more opportunity. Uh,
3: Zop would like oh, to right. assist with setting up camp and hiding it, too.
0: Okay, roll stealth with advantage, Alan.
2: Okay. While they're doing this, Radford would like to get a vibe check on this jungle.
0: Uh, can you describe a little bit more what you want from that?
2: Um, I think he's trying to reach out and uh, like, spiritually, like See if there's any key. Sure. Or or any like, you know, residual soul or life energy of sorts.
0: Roll an arcana or religion, your choice. That was only
2: an eight on the stealth,
1: so an attempt was made.
0: Yeah, and it's tough in, like, pitch darkness to really know how far off the path you are, and you don't want to venture too far away because you don't want to lose the path, what path there is. I mean, it's still a jungle that's overgrown, and hardly anyone comes here. So when we say path, we just mean place where the roots aren't quite as overgrown as everywhere else. Pitching a tent in pitch darkness is also never advised. Yeah, that's... uh, How'd we do, Radford? Seventeen. Seventeen. Um, you are, as far as like religious hints or or connections to things, you don't get anything from right here. However, you can recall the the vision from your dream and the way that you were following this Wheatling as it flew through the high cliffs um, and over the rusty jungle, and you are confident that you followed the right path. Like, at least yeah. if you were going to match where that that creature flew, you know, you've, you've navigated mm-hmm. in the right direction. Um, and so you feel... V- Pretty confident as far as, you know, okay, so we're headed to the Rusty Jungle, we're we're going to the Rusty Geyser. You know, all this is working right. Um, and Geyser Falls and, and all the rest of it. So you feel like But you're no
2: right sort track. of sense but no sort of sense off of these weird sounds or what like whether they're ghosts or or anything like that. Like mean, no sort of vibe check.
0: You get the feeling them. that the sounds are happening. It's not your mind playing tricks on mm. you. Okay. Um I'll give you that sure okay so um, yeah so that's that's where we are um, is anyone going to kind of volunteer for watch or are we just going to sleep through the night and see what happens going to roll another I'll t- definitely t- do I, a watch okay i say yeah
3: Alan will volunteer We can t- have a rotation yeah, um, we'll, yeah we'll do a rotation sure Zop will take first
0: okay Zop, go ahead and roll perception for me let's see if anything interesting happens 13 13 Uh, Nothing interesting happens over the course of the night. Although the jungle is spooky, uh, it still makes all its weird sounds. You still get the portents. You still have the wind kind of carrying strange noises to you. Um, It still has that claustrophobic feeling that like the trees, which are just like dark shapes on darker darkness, are kind of leaning in towards you. Um, Rather than blowing naturally in the wind, you have all those weird feelings, especially for being such a small creature. You know, you're sitting on a tree root looking up at this gargantuan skyscraper sized tree, but nothing attacks you. You hear a few more of those, you know, something is moving in the night. This is a living jungle. Creatures obviously live here, Um, but nothing, nothing comes out of the darkness to attack you this evening. And so we move into the second day. We're looking at our map here, where we've left space 23 and we're in space 24. Alden, do you prefer to travel during the day or during the night?
1: In the jungle, let's travel during the day.
0: Okay. So during the day, you get a very, very small amount of light filtering through the tree canopy. And so I wouldn't say you can see well, but you can at least see general colors. You get a sense of, you know, okay, there's green up there and brown over here for the trees. And it makes it easier to pick out the path and keep yourselves moving in the right direction. Um, And so as you're moving in the right direction, you too are able to pay a little more attention to your surroundings and you key into... Um, not the strange sounds we were hearing on the night air because during the day those sounds seem to have disappeared, but you do key into the sounds of things kind of whooshing past you uh, in the jungle. And you can every now and then you see a little blur of something, or you see a brightly colored bird and, and this, this idea that the jungle around you is living and thriving. And then about midday, is the first time that something really significant happens to you as we roll another tension die about midday, you hear the sound of labored breathing from ahead of you, not on the path, but somewhere off the path to the side, just kind of a ragged (sighs) off to the side. What will Alan do?
1: Alan will, you know, motion the group to stop and kind of like, you know, like gesture to his ear to kind of have everyone listen in and see if they can hear it as well. If Alan gestures to his ear, can I, can the rest of the party hear the labored breathing as well, or is it just Alan?
0: No, it's it's not like disguised or stealthy or anything okay. like that. There's something out there and it's it's breathing.
1: And uh, we'll kind of, uh, you know, like go up to the rest of the group and say, uh, do, do we think that that is worth... Investigating off the path, or should we continue on? I think we may want to I at need... least check. I think we want to investigate it. Yes,
4: I can take a look. I kind of have a proficiency with animals that
1: that may be uh, a good use in this case, as well as um, you can fly and probably less likely be seen if whatever is over there turns out to be hostile.
3: I'll go, I'll go with check. her to make sure, you know, always
1: have a buddy. Yes, I think that is wise. Radford and I will hang back
4: and wait for you. Um, Riley will fly up into the lower canopy. Um, That way the ground is still visible and we'll head into the general direction
0: of the labor breathing. It's not very far away. Um, you, You kind of begin maneuvering among the branches, which again, to creatures the size of wheatlings, the branches are pretty big obstacles. And so you have a lot of cover from the ground. Um, as you're kind of darting here and there through. You've got the leaves above, just barely brushing the tips of your papery wings as you flit through. And then beneath you, the branches blurring past one after another until finally beneath you, uh, maybe 20 feet off the path from where um, your group is walking, you see a figure, a a deep shaded figure kind of resting in the shelter of a... um, a little, like, half cave of tree roots that have kind of intertwined together and formed a little bit of a, um, a... Not quite watertight, but, you know, a little bit of a shelter there on the ground. And you can see a... It, it's a humanoid figure that you can see kind of resting, leaning back against the tree. It has um, shining kind of brass metallic armor on. Um, and as you get closer, you realize that it's not a humanoid. It's a Tinkali, one of those large scorpion creatures. The rest of it is tucked under the nest or the web of tree roots. Um, and it is wounded, perhaps mortally. Um, it you know There's a lot of blood. The creature is weak. It's breathing heavily. And you can see on the ground around it, there's lots of scratch marks in the dirt. And th- you know there has been a battle here. Um, next to the Tinkali on the ground is a spear that has been snapped in two. Um, kind of laying there on the ground and you don't see any blood that doesn't look like it belongs to the Tinkali, whatever the other creature was, it seems to have gotten away unscathed.
4: I know. Sister, do we help? Well, I know Alan said they're dangerous. Um, perhaps we just simply try talking to it while it's in its wounded state. Maybe it won't be as aggressive.
3: Okay. I'll just keep your distance.
4: Um, I don't plan on getting within striking distance of it, that's for sure. Uh, um, I'm, we're gonna flutter down then, yeah, stay keeping like a good 20 <laughs> foot range around it,
0: okay. Uh, wheatlings cannot hover, so do you settle on the ground or are you trying to find a branch above it to talk from?
3: I'm uh, bobbing right. above,
0: uh, okay. So Riley's in a, a tree branch above. Um, what are you doing, Zop?
3: bobbing so it's not like staying still but just up and down
0: i guess so yeah like spinning in a circle or something i think yeah. bobbing just up and down is probably hovering too close um but spinning in a circle is fine um just because you have to have some kind of forward momentum um, that's if the, i'm the spinning then i'll
3: just sit on the branch instead
0: okay um the two of you sit on the branch and then did you say you call out to the creature
3: yes uh yeah hello who
0: did one <laughs> Who
4: speaks
3: uh, up up here? And I'm going to step off, flutter around and then sit back down.
0: It's obvious to you that this creature cannot see very well in the darkness, perhaps not oh. possessed of dark vision or maybe even low light vision. Um, it's looking around. It's looking in your general direction now, but it's still. Who speaks?
3: Um, We're just some simple travelers. Um, But what's Tra- happened to travelers?
0: You must you must flee. You must go. You do not want to what? be here when the horrors return.
3: What horrors? But my
0: clan, my clan all dead. All dead? What 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 attacked your clan? We never even saw them. Shadows in the darkness.
4: Shadows in the darkness.
0: Uh, creatures that were not creatures when we attacked our our weapons they passed straight through. They they do not even the incorporeal shades of the night portents what? of the stars come down to haunt us.
4: What land what? did your clan own? What
0: we are nomadic. We we don't own the land. We live in harmony with it. Well, where did your clan live? Well around here somewhere? Not in the darkness, of course. We lived so in the uh, the high cliffs. They glyphs. attacked
3: you. Do they come out every night?
0: They come out always. And as he says that, you hear another of something whooshing by in the trees. We try to warn adventurers away, but they don't—they don't heed us. They don't heed our calls. They think that we are trying to prey upon them, or that we are—we are ourselves simply weak and cowardly. So we took to chasing them back to their village. We sought to be to be seen as monsters to be feared in our attempts to protect the lives of the weak. But in doing so, we left our backs exposed and see here how we have been repaid for our good deeds.
3: Um, how long have you been living <laughs> here? And how do you fight them off before?
0: None has ever fought them off. We have outrun them.
4: I'm going to go down and... Um, Hover, or it does not
0: hover, but land just before him. He looks in your general direction, but still obviously does not see you.
4: I'm going to touch you. Is
0: that okay? I suppose.
4: I'm going to cast uh, Cure Wounds.
0: Okay. You are still within 100 feet of Alan, and so. You are able to do so, and um, as you feel the um, three-year-gone sort of tingle of magic flowing through your sus- your system and your senses and out through your hands, some of the bleeding begins to slow, and the Tinkali's ragged breathing begins to settle into a merely exhausted or fatigued breathing. As this is happening, Radford and Owlin, the two of you, are standing on the path You are waiting, you can't really hear what's happening. The jungle is so thick and dense that no sound is carrying back to you besides like little murmurs. You can tell there's a conversation but you can't make out what the words are. But as the conversation is happening, it's been maybe a minute since the twins left and and went around the corner. You hear very slow, methodical footsteps on the other side of you coming, like you know. if the twins went to your right, they're coming from the left, deeper in the jungle one set of footsteps, Alan, uh, from your, your soldier's instincts, you're confident it's a humanoid. Um, it is not attempting to disguise itself and it does not appear to be like, it's not running or anything like that. They're unhurried casual steps walking towards you in the darkness. Okay. What will you do?
1: Uh, Alan will get Radford's attention, make sure Radford knows what's going on. And then, um, you know, uh, stand at the, in the path and, actually raise his voice out too. Cause it's not, you know, they're not disguising their steps. Uh, who goes there in the jungle? We are across the way here. Bradford the, is.
2: in dance.
0: The, the footsteps come a little bit closer and you get the idea that they're just on the other side of the trees. And in the dim darkness of the day, the trees do seem to be leaning towards you. And finally you can see a, a humanoid figure. Yeah, fairly tall um they're they're i mean owlin is looking up at this creature but they're not like a giant oh. or anything um but you know seven to eight feet something like that um and they they're wearing like a a deep gray traveling cloak that you know the hood is pulled up over their head to ward off the bugs and whatever and they they you can't see anything of them except some boots the gray cloak wrapped around them and a very, very small part of their face—very dark-skinned face—and um, the the humanoid steps out of the trees towards you again, unhurried, casually just walking. And it just stands there and it looks towards the two of you.
1: Make yourself known, stranger. Who are you?
0: The creature um, moves beneath the robe and pulls one arm out and so you can see another it's a dark skinned hairy arm and the hand is holding something and it slowly uncurls its fingers as if it's not accustomed to doing this and a small chain hangs down and at the end of that is a pendant uh, in the sigil of Zanir
1: are, are you a uh, well actually first before Alan says anything um, Thinking back on his library research, as well as his general knowledge of, of things, which I guess we established that he didn't know that much about Zanir from his studies. Um, does this seem to be the appearance of any sort of like, does this does this figure ring any bells, especially with the pendant of like, ah, yes, this is a guardian of Zanir that would be around this, this area that would probably guard the scale or something like that?
0: Uh, no, it doesn't. It's not like there's a rank in the Zin Church or anything like that that okay. this reminds you of. However, you are confident that the pendant is authentic. Like this is a real okay. talisman of Zanir.
1: Alan will um, keep his hands off of any weapons or anything and say, "Ah, we see that you are a follower of Zanir. We are grateful to have found you. Um, do you happen to be a protector or a steward of?" the scale or of the geyser here in this jungle.
0: The creature slowly lowers its hand back beneath the hood and you see it very slowly and laboriously shake its head. No. And then in a voice that's raspy from disuse, it says Avenger.
1: An Avenger. Uh, If I may ask, what are you an Avenger of? What are you avenging?
0: Again, very, very slowly and methodically, the arm comes back out of the robe and the hand points very delicately towards the scepter that Owlin is holding. And then the other arm comes out of the robe, another dark-skinned arm covered in long hair, and it sweeps its hand out at the world.
1: An Avenger of Zanir's
0: portion of the rod? The creature slowly shakes its head no. Twins, you stand before a Tinkali. Um, The Tinkali slowly kind of relaxing into the fatigued breathing of one no longer mortally wounded, but still in a heck of a ton of pain. You have... You have healed me... With the arcane arts? Yes. What creatures are you that you can perform this deed? Um...
4: It's
3: That's a long story. The it's not necessarily told.
4: Um, the fact that we exist that we can do it, but um, it's it's hard to explain. but can we help in any way?
0: My clan is dead. There is no help for me. If I escape, other clans, I live a right? life of disgrace Having failed to prevent the death of my clansmen And failed to die in honor among them What maybe is
4: there for me? You can come with us and You can start a new clan Well, I'm thinking maybe you can fight and avenge your brethren we might be able to help you with that regard or at least figure out what's happening. Tell me more? In what way? Well, we are traveling through this jungle and I don't think we have the option to turn back. And you said that these nightmares make it their home here. We could use, perhaps, a warrior to help defend us and we might be able to help you as we are not frail necessarily in defending ourselves. We pretty confident in defending ourselves and...
0: Have you not heard me that attacks pass straight through them? These shades cannot be harmed by weapons. But you see what we can do. What about magic? I know
4: not. Magic is lost to us. So perhaps we can help you avenge your brother, or at the very least, you can die trying. It would be an honorable death.
0: Radford and Alan, the two of you, stand before a tall, hooded figure. Radford was about to say something.
2: Um, he will like while this conversation is going on. Alan's taking the lead on that. Radford kind of wanted to, to clock, like do a three hundred and sixty, and just kind of make sure no one was sneaking up on us while this creature has our attention.
0: Okay, go ahead and roll perception for me. Eighteen. Eighteen. Uh, you do not see or sense anything sneaking up on you. You can, however, tell that the the previously labored kind of dying breaths have relaxed a bit almost uh into a a fatigued state um so so you can tell that whatever's happening out there it seems to be the the situation is de-escalating rather than escalating around the corner from you deeper in the woods um, while this creature is is standing in front of you
1: um alan will uh pause for a moment and consider what this uh this servant of zenir Has said, and then...
0: The tall creature while Owlin is considering kind of reaches towards um, Owlin and um, rests just like a hand or attempts to rest a hand on the arm of Owlin that is touching the the scepter. So it's not trying to take the scepter from you, but it's just trying to indicate that side of you. And it says, You restore? Almost with a question in its voice.
1: Yes, we are here. To restore the balance and the magic back into the world and dispel the evil that the Aboleths are doing. And I, I am sorry for misunderstanding you before, but do you mean to say that you're here to avenge the avatar
0: of Zaneer, do Bumblefoot? The creature doesn't reply but it sort of relaxes its shoulders. Like it feels like it's finally been understood. Hmm. Um, And it kind of puts its hand right in front of your face. And again, very, very slowly curls its finger into like a, like a follow sort of request and then turns and very slowly begins shuffling off deeper into the jungle um, it is moving, again, just to pull our map up here. It's moving in the direction you want to go. You're in space 24. It's headed down okay. towards 27, where the geyser is.
1: Um, Alan will, like, uh, turn back towards Radford quickly and say, when you get a chance, please get the twins and bring them towards the geyser. I will follow this man here. Understood? I'll get him now. Thank you. And Alan will and follow. <laughs> yeah.
0: When when Alan begins following, the creature, you know, accelerates to a normal walking pace. Basically, it was like just waiting for you to get the idea that you should follow, and now it's just strolling along, still casual, loud footfalls. It's not like it's stealthing away or anything. Um Radford, you're on your way back to the twins, so I'll tell you when you arrive. Twins, you're talking okay. to the Tinkali about avenging his brethren. You're trying to inspire him to join you on the battlefield.
3: Um, um another option too is I know you said you tried to keep humans away, but if we can get you in good graces within town, maybe you could be employed by town to do the same job but not be chasing them away and scaring people and instead be helping them um, and then also improve the reputation of, of your race.
0: The Tinkali straightens up and looks almost affronted as it goes, the Tinkali are not employed by civilized villagers. We are nomadic peoples. We do not settle. We do not define territory as if to take from the world something that we should live in harmony with. Then
4: why not join us now and fight to avenge your brother in here? Because otherwise you will be settling here to
0: die a dishonorable death. You get the idea that he's quoting like a, a proverb of his people as he says, to seek violence for the sake of violence. But he doesn't finish the saying <laughs> He kind of lets it trail like, he, like he's assuming you've heard it and you know the ending You know he like lets it trail off Like you should you should know better than to just seek violence For the sake of violence right. And then after a slight pause he says Why fight small creatures What do you hope to achieve
3: um, uh, A lot <laughs> um, But we don't have to get into that uh, We're mm-hmm. on our own Personal quest
4: We are hoping to achieve to restore balance to the world. You know, before the darkening.
0: You seek to restore magic. Yes. It is not
4: an easy feat.
0: A large goal for such a small folk.
4: We're not alone. But we do have our
0: ways as you're having this conversation, Alan, you are following the, uh, the, the humanoid deeper into the rusty jungle. And as you, um, lose the sound of the, the whispered conversation behind you and kind of get not quite separated, but you know, you're a little further down the path than your, mm-hmm. your people are. Um, the, the woods again, begin kind of pressing in around you and you have that same ominous feeling. You hear the same, you know, things are rushing by, in the darkness you also as you're walking you see um the like the hallmarks of a long deceased adventuring party kind of Mm. on the ground so you don't know when they died it's not like it was recent to your knowledge you know that's like it's decayed a, a good ways but there's you know a swords um you know left on the ground to rust and there's a couple of adventuring packs that have been cut open. The food is spoiled and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so you can, you're starting to see evidence of what they were talking about in the town when they were, you know, people don't come back from the rusty, the rusty, uh, jungle anymore. We're not sure why. Um, as this creature is leading you, you begin to hear the, the sound of geyser falls getting louder and louder, um, as you approach it. And as that sound gets louder, you get that same whispering noise that you were hearing on the wind the night previously or several nights previously. Um, that same kind of strange... It's all, It's not an incantation. It's not even... I don't know what it is or isn't, but it, it's just this weird kind of whispering sound that surrounds you. Um, and you get closer and closer to the geyser, kind of following this humanoid until you find yourself standing at the top of Geyser Falls. And Geyser Falls is... Um, The geyser itself is at ground level. So above you is tree canopy, but the tree canopy stops about 10 feet before the falls. So there's a circle clearing about 20 feet in diameter. And then in that clearing, in that circle is geyser falls, a huge geyser erupting out of the ground, massive power of the earth, which has almost corroded away falls on all sides of it so it's like a pedestal at the center and then a waterfall in 360 degrees cascading down cliffs now you can remember historically this used to be corrosive water something corrupted the water coming out of it and it's obvious that whatever that was did a number on the land below because the falls go down three four five hundred feet from where you are at the top of them and there are these deep grooves or channels cut into the base where you can tell, like the most corrosive water went down in a straight line, and then when the water was purified, the rest of the world was kind of eroded to match. So at one point, these may have been just straight up like vertical tunnels where the water itself just went straight down. Now it is a proper falls. However, with the the ground having uh, corroded over time, there are like almost like land ramps, like huge chunks of rock vertically that have been corroded and then tectonic activity or a large storm, a lightning strike, something has dislodged them and they've kind of fallen and made this huge leaning kind of vertical slope. Not that it would be safe to climb down. It's slick as all get out. It's covered in water, pure or not. Um, but the, the falls does have these sort of land ramps leading deeper down into it. Um, and as you stand there at the top of it with the creature next to you, um, you're just kind of able to, for the first time, take in some of the rusty jungle in like the light, you know, because the tree, the tree's clear for about 20 feet here. Um, the ground probably corroded and, and too, you know uh, too dead to support life. And so the trees don't come in quite this far. And so the canopy stretches further in, but there's still probably a five foot or a 10 foot circle over the falls where light falls in. And so it illuminates all of the pollen and the dust and whatever's in the air. And you get this kind of shaft of light effect. And it's fairly pretty as you look down towards the falls, standing next to this, this hooded creature, this, um, this, this guide that you have found. Uh, We cut back over to the twins who are discussing how, you know, they're not alone. They have some magic on their side as Radford rounds the corner and walks into the clearing. The Tinkali tenses up, clearly a little bit nervous about the approach of another humanoid and says, stop, halt. Who goes there? I'm I'm walking
2: in with my cane, putting on the old man routine.
4: Okay. Oh, Radford.
2: That's that's one of our companions.
3: It's okay.
0: We've met this stranger. There are so many of you in the woods. You you must be safe. You you must leave. We must we must leave at once. I will go with you. I I feel that I am perhaps well enough to travel soon.
2: Well, we need to go now. Well, um, we had Adam. a bit of a development, and Alan's already headed off. We need to catch up to him, guys. You've
0: separated from your clansmen.
2: Uh, it appears you have as well. Is that bad?
0: My clansmen are dead. That sounds
2: like it's bad. So we should
3: go.
0: Um, is... What what
3: happened? What can you help us get him out?
0: Oh,
2: we can walk and talk. Oh, this guy, is he, is he st- are
0: you stuck? I, I'm not stuck. I was I was resting oh. here to die. I didn't, think but you I, stuck. I didn't I'm oh. not stuck. I, I was surprised to find oh, well, out well, It's
3: dark in here. I can't sit very well. There was some
0: magic that I didn't expect. It, it was a little bit confusing. Let's back up from that. Let's come back to this later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mortal dangers right now. Uh, there there are creatures in these woods, shade, shaded creatures, hooded creatures that, um, th- that have been killing other creatures who come here. My clan, we moved here to try and say, and he briefly summarizes all the stuff he's already told the chat. Um, And, and he says, and they, they may yet be out there. There is a a leader among them. If you see him, it is, it is truly a dark portent. He is a a, a tall figure, a, a humanoid. He wears this gray cloak, this hood, and he carries a talisman. He's stolen from, from a sage of one of the gods. Mm. Um, that I hope I don't scary. see him
2: intimidating. Uh, well, you can come with us if you want. We got to go, guys. And Bradford. Walks away very quickly in the direction <laughs> of Owlin. <Alan. laughs>
0: the Tinkali right, uh, has like this sort of squint on his face and he goes, you have seen the creature I speak of. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, At that very moment, a huge clap of thunder sounds above you and lightning strikes onto the ground um, and and it starts a very small fire um, that is almost immediately put out by the rain that deluges down. On the the rusty jungle, so heavy that it slams through the canopy and presses down with like a physical weight, almost like hail, but it's just raindrops that are really, really big. As the water just cascades down, we cut back to Owlin, who's standing without the benefit of a tree canopy above. The water begins. Pouring down, slamming down on you. And Alan is not wearing a whole ton of clothes. So, Alan, your skin is exposed to the weight of these really large, you know, baseball sized raindrops. And,
1: and I was sunburnt, so that doesn't feel good necessarily. Yeah, so
0: that feels awful. I'm going to need a constitution save from you to actually just make it a strength save to keep your feet basically just from the force of impact of the rain slamming into you. And with the geyser making the ground a little bit, um, you know, softer and, and harder to, to hold your footing. Le- 11 11 uh Radford you are in the lead of the group and so as you're power walking down the path you too come into range of the geyser and you see Owlin standing there with uh the the creature next to him you hear the same kind of whispers all of you do now you hear those kind of dark whispers on the wind And then you hear an unearthly growl begin emanating from the creature next to Owlin, who turns but is having trouble keeping his feet in the rain as the creature launches itself onto him and it's going to roll to grapple. Owlin, it rolled a 25 to grapple you. So for you, that's an athletics or an acrobatics.
1: I got a 21. Okay.
0: not Not quite it. And so you come around the corner just as the creature leaps onto Owlin and launches over the side of the falls with him. Oh, jeez. Owlin, you begin plummeting down through the water. The uh, Radford obviously sees this first, but all three of you know about it. But there's one round here of, of this happening before we enter initiative. So you can all roll initiative, but I'm going to describe what happens as you fall um, first. Yes?
4: I, could I, before he made the leap, could I cast a spell?
0: you can make a dexterity save with disadvantage with a DC of 16 to cast a spell before he's over the edge. No. Okay. So your reflexes just aren't quite fast enough between the rain and it's dark and you were a little bit behind Radford and all the rest of it. Um, Owlin is launched over the side. Owlin, the first thing you feel is the Uh, two hit points of damage you take as you're slammed against the rock on one side. The creature holding onto you, its, its hands are ice cold and they feel more like claws than actual hands. As you're falling, it continues that unearthly growl kind of emanating from it. The whispers getting louder and louder. You can see at the base of the falls there is an arcane circle etched in the ground that you are plummeting towards. Oh, geez! This first round has taken you about a fifth of the way down. So in four rounds, you'll land on that falls. Um, the water still, again, cascading over you, making everything and that's, difficult that, to is see. Is that just a
1: solid stone floor that has the the arcane circle on it?
0: It's. I mean, yeah, it's like rocky and kind. it's not like it was made. You know, it's a rocky, corroded, uh-huh. normal floor. And then the circle has just been carved into it where it would fit. Um, standing okay. at the top is the rest of the party Now I would like everybody to please roll Advantage Ad- Initiative and That's what I meant
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's, Let's go get on our Everybody
0: next. gets advantage No you yeah. don't <laughs> yeah. roll, roll initiative uh, Luckily for you this creature rolled pretty low
2: I got a 16
0: Okay Alan had a 12
2: Twelve. Well, I got a 19 I got, I got a 9
0: 19 and a 9 and the creature well we'll find out when we get there uh, <laughs> top of initiative order is Riley where do you doing, Riley alright how far down are they uh, they're like about a fifth of the way down they've fallen roughly 100 feet
4: 100 feet um, Riley's contemplating how to save a friend
0: here? Well, you're gonna have to contemplate quickly because they're falling. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same kind of thirty yeah. seconds. That yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah. Uh, uh, thirty seconds, you said. Yep, starting now. Hey,
4: uh, hmm. All right. I don't think I have. Um, Fifteen. Uh, okay.
0: Five.
4: I'm going to go ahead and cast wind wall. Okay. Um, can I use it to create like a cushion for Owlin? It has a range of 120 feet.
0: I'm not Maybe. sure if that's way one second I'm checking it. <laughs> yeah. Um, is Owlin in the water? Yes, they are in the falls, plummeting down towards the ground. Okay. No, only smaller, smaller flying creatures um, are held up by the wall. The wall's not strong enough for creatures larger than that.
4: All right, but does it at least slow it down?
0: Um, no, I don't think so.
4: Mm,
0: okay. Uh, okay so you take otherwise The defend action which brings us To the next person initiative order And that person is Zop
3: Um how far Away are they from me? 100 feet Okay down um I'm gonna Fly 60 feet towards them Okay And then oh. I would like to cast polymorph On the spec, but not spectral Um I don't know what it, what it Is this creature. creature? Yeah
0: um okay first thing i would like from you is an athletics check to not get sucked into the wake of the water
3: as you fly down the falls
0: since i'm dodging sure i'll take that acrobatics is for going down
3: that is a seven
0: okay uh that's a seven you are not able to avoid the pull of the water and it begins yanking you downwards, So you are now also in free fall, heading towards oh, the circle. No. With the Whisper is getting louder. Uh, you can further. still attempt to cast your spell, um, but either you're going to make your attack with disadvantage or they're going to make their save with advantage because it's harder it, to concentrate. It'll be a save. Okay. So they're going to make a save with advantage here. Um, wisdom saving throw. Wisdom saving throw. Okay. That's an eighteen.
3: Dang, just beat it.
0: Um, so the the creature is not affected by your spell as you begin falling as well. Um and then it is the creature's turn. The creature again lets uh, can out. Can I this... use a bonus action? Sure.
3: Uh I wanna try and cast hex on it.
0: Okay. Uh, um, that's an attack from you, right? Uh
3: I just, as I place a curse on it, that you can see in range.
0: So does until it have a spell
3: ends. No.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. That works.
3: Yep. That's my turn.
0: Um, for, for those of you listening. Uh, until the spell ends, you deal an extra 1d6 necrotic damage to the target whenever you hit it with an attack. Also, choose one ability when you cast the spell. The target has disadvantage on ability checks made with the chosen ability. What ability will you give this creature disadvantage on? Uh, wisdom saving throws should have done this first <laughs> disadvantage wisdom got it yeah. um, let me make a note here of disadvantage wisdom <laughs> and then
1: that's the action economy
0: yeah really oh, well. uh, and then the creature itself getting closer doing that deep growl from within its hood the claws cutting into Alan's skin Alan um, it's going to it, it's not really a bite but like you feel this kind of sharp pain sensation all along the skin of your arms. And you take, well, it's gonna roll to stay grappled. I guess that's how, what it should have done first. So it's gonna roll to continue grappling you. Um, In the water, that's gonna be tough, but it's also tough for you to escape. So I'm gonna say the advantage and disadvantage is cancel each other out. It's just straight rolls against each other here. Okay. I've got a 16.
1: I, and I roll again to stay. Yeah, your ac- yeah. acrobatics or athletics. Only an eleven. I'm not rolling that. Well. Yep. So
0: it continues grappling you, and it is going to attack you here. Um, so you feel this sort of burning sensation all along the skin of your arms, and you lose. You take seven hit points of damage off your maximum HP, oh, and an additional six hit points of damage beyond that. Um, the maximum HP cannot be restored until you are subjected to a greater restoration spell. Um, and you continue falling. So it's, it's moving you down another, you know, it'll be another hundred feet, the two of you falling together, um, by the end of this round. Uh, that brings us in initiative order to Radford. Well, no, Who Alan, knows? Alan, I'm wrong. Alan's turn.
1: I was going to say, uh, Yep. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, um. Alan is going to try to escape the grapple first. Okay. So he's going to roll off. You can do it. Again. You can do it. Come on. 25.
0: Only a 24. Alan escapes the grapple. You're okay, still so- in free fall Ooh, yeah. right next to this creature. You know, it's cloak billowing upwards above it. It So both of you were falling head headfirst. Um, it's cloak billowing upwards above it. You're now next to it still falling. It's got those sharp hands out from up close. You can see they're definitely clawed as the sun kind of reflects off of the light of the falls, kind of dazzling you and making it hard to see anything. What, um, what we do with the Al- rest of your Al-
1: time. Alan's going to try to kick off. Like literally kick the creature so that Alan's course is redirected away from the, the sigil on the ground um, and to get distance away. So if, whatever that role is, I would love it to be athletics, um, but I'm open to other things, I guess, as well. Um but to to kick, or even just a strength check. I was going to gonna say,
0: I think it's just a strength check because you're just trying to like muscle your momentum yeah. around. It's not like you have a whole yeah. lot to kick off of. And he
1: still has how many turns until he hits the ground?
0: He's got um, three more rounds. So at the end okay. of this round, there will be three more of them before he hits the ground.
1: Okay, uh, we've taught we've we've had to utilize before the Alan Rage right before he hits the ground strat that probably <laughs> will come into play. Um, but yes, he's going to try to kick off and redirect his path.
0: Okay. Um, Roll that strength check for me. Yeah. Okay. Cool.
1: Gosh, dang it. I'm not rolling that well, am I? Uh, do I get, can I, can I argue to get a proficiency bonus uh, as well? Or I don't just know that strength?
0: one really becomes proficient in falling through a waterfall. All right. 13. Okay. 13. Uh, Alan kind of kicks and maneuvers himself, but he's not really able to, um, to get enough distance. It's, you're still going to land on the circle at the moment. Um, But at least you're not grappled by whatever this horrifying monster is uh, as it leads you down. And that brings us to Radford's turn.
2: Um, Radford turns to Riley and says, are you coming with? I'm going to jump on Radford's back. And Radford runs and just swan dives off the side. And uh, when he... As he's like falling down, his feet touch and hit the edge of the waterfall. And he is going to use his new ability of unarmored movement that lets him not only walk on vertical surfaces, but also walk on water. (laughs) Let's go. Walk on vertical water, for example. He's just like running down the waterfall. Okay. Um, That's 45 feet of movement. He's going to use his bonus action to burn a key point and do step of the wind, which gives him another 45 feet of movement. So that's 90 feet. Okay. So he should be 10 feet away from yes. Owlin and this guy.
0: Yep. He's 10 feet away. On right
2: the now. way down. Can he grab on to uh, Zopf?
0: He can try. So as you go by Zopf, let's make a um, athletics or strength check if you're not trained in athletics to arrest his fall. Okay.
2: Uh, not good. That was a five.
0: Okay. So you take a, you take a swipe, but you don't quite, you, do, you don't you do quite grab him. And so he falls the extra 10 feet and he's now kind of falling sure. even with, um, Alan and the other monster.
2: I say to Riley, we'll get him. We'll come back and circle around to that. And right when oh, we dear. get down there and we see Allen kick away from this creature, uh, Radford puffs up his chest and goes... Whoa, and just blasts a 30-foot uh, line of ice straight down the waterfall at this guy. He needs to make a DC-14 Constitution saving throw.
0: DC-14 Constitution saving throw. That's a natural one on his Constitution saving throw, Let's ladies go. and gentlemen. You saw here on screen. He does not do very well on his con save. Uh, tell me what happens to him. Well, he, first thing that happens, he takes
2: 18, sorry, 16 points of ice damage. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm curious if, like, a column of ice forms in this waterfall. Like, what happens to the waterfall? Because he's just shooting a 30-foot cone straight down at long ways.
0: Yeah, so um, it it doesn't impede your walking, but you basically create this huge ice shard like, a, like a, a miniature boulder of ice that is going to continue falling. And it's between you and the, you know, this creature um, that's ahead of you. You also hit the creature and you get the sense that like the water that it is in has crystallized as well, but the boulder is falling through the creature. Like mm. it, do- it almost seems like it it hasn't been frozen or impacted. It didn't move right to have been hit by something. It's like stuff is just passing through it on its way to the ground.
2: Um, Well, uh, Radford's going to dig in his claws and ride this thing down like a cowboy for the remainder of his turn.
0: Okay. And get ready for what's coming next. Oh, I see. So you're riding the boulder you made. You're like just holding on to it.
2: He was shot out in front of him as he was running down. So he's just going to like grab onto the top.
0: That's so cool. Uh, You hear a voice from above you. Now, this is an honorable way to die. And the Tinkali (laughs) rushes past you, its greater weight and mass, increasing its momentum. Stinger first, plunging towards the uh, shadow creature. It buffets everyone else out of its way, knocking, well, well, actually, let's roll for that. Um, So each of you make a dexterity save to see if you get buffeted out of the way or not. um, As this thing slams down.
1: Could Alan have seen the Scorpion as it was approaching, like he's aware that this is about to happen before he makes the save?
0: Sure. Alan's okay. like pretty far down there already.
4: Okay. Um I got 18. a five. Do, I, do I just take um Radford's?
0: Oh yeah, because you're holding on to Radford, aren't you? Sure. Yeah, you just All take right. Radford's. What was that from Radford? Eighteen. Okay. Uh what'd you get up Five. And what did Alan get? Nine. Nine. Okay, so Radford, um, you are—you get to choose whether you're knocked out of the way or not. For the other two, I'm flipping a coin. Um, <laughs> does Radford want to get knocked to the side? Right now, you're falling towards the same arcane circle everyone else is. So do you want to get knocked to the side, or are you confident you can change your own course?
2: In this split second, um, will being knocked to the side push him further from Zopf or keep him on course? It'll push him to his- towards Zopf. He wants to go towards Zoph because okay. his his goal right now is to grab hold of Zoph because Zoph's tumbling.
0: Yep, so Zoph too is knocked off to the side and so the two of you are thrown almost into each other and so you're like right next to Zoph now still kind of surfing on your ice crystal with uh, the way I'm picturing it in my head is that Riley is holding on with little wheatling hands feet streaming up behind you <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> as you soar downwards. Um, Owlin, I'm flipping the coin for you. I just dropped it. Owlin, you are not knocked to the side. And so instead, you take some some coincidental points of damage as it kind of sw- like swings by you, so slides by you. You take two hit points of damage, of bludgeoning damage, just from the weight of this creature. And then it smashes into the, the shadow thing. And it doesn't do any damage. It passes straight through it, but it takes the cloak with it, leaving behind oh. whatever the creature is. And so you get your first glimpse in the sunlight, this like little 10 diameter sunlight coming down through the rain onto this creature. It is a vast monstrous literal shadow. It is just a dark space against the backdrop behind you with like, these kind of beady dark eyes like deep brown or deep gray eyes that are looking back towards you and it's almost like its own skin is ruffling like it's a bunch of shadows coalescing into one creature it has hooked claws at the ends of its arms and what you thought at first was really long arm hair is actually just like the the different shadows overlaying on each other kind of like dappled light it creates like a lot of texture there and then it has these same hooked claws for feet and its feet are bent in the way of, like, a chimpanzee. Like, a, you know, something that leaps really well um, or grapples really strongly. And its face, it has these eyes. It has no other facial features. And then it has this huge, like, fanged mouth that is open and <laughs> roaring towards you as the creature growls again. Um, Does
1: Alan recognize it? like Alan's seen darklings before. This is, is not this a darkling. Not darklings I'm are kidding.
0: short creatures. They are they are uh, size category small. This okay. is something else. Um, but as Alan's watching it as the sunlight hits it, It's like the shadows have trouble coalescing properly and it begins to it doesn't vaporize. It doesn't die, but it's like it's losing its form. It's getting blurry around the edges or fuzzy as it falls. And every time it passes through the water or into a shaded area, it tightens back up and then it falls apart again. And so it's kind of like this half misty. It's almost like a swarm of birds falling next to you. Um, And it's going to well, it's not going to do anything because it's not its turn. Um, but that concludes this round. We are entering, so we are now on round one of three before we hit the ground, and we're at the top of initiative order, which is Riley. Riley clinging to the back of Radford oh. as he plummets towards the ground. The water is over you. You are not too far from Zopf You're off to the So You've been knocked out of one stream of water and into another, basically. Um, it's something cool. Owlin is ahead of you as well. Do
4: you have Zopf?
0: I sure hope so I'm gonna sh- uh, Go ahead and
4: cast a cantrip Okay um, I'm gonna eldritch blast uh, At the uh, Shadow monstrosity In front of me
0: Sure uh, That eldritch blast is a roll to hit right Yes yes Yeah so go ahead and roll to hit Okay is an 18 hit. An 18. Sorry, I'm checking what kind of damage it is. Force. An 18 would hit, and you're confident you lined up the shot properly but the magical energy soars straight through the creature and slams into a chunk of rock on the other side. You see little bits of of the cliff face. The corroded um, area begins breaking. I'm going to uh, roll the sixth tension die and then clear the pool here. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's already tense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and as that little corroded piece of cliff comes out, the corroded ground above begins to give way, and an avalanche begins leading into Geyser uh, Falls. <laughs> not one that's falling to block out the light above you. It's almost like it's rushing alongside you as all of you are soaring towards the ground. Mudslide! this huge mudslide on one side. There's Radford riding an ice boulder on the other side. There's a giant scorpion guy flowing down the middle with a cloak behind him, this massive shadow. as so we're all rushing towards the ground. Are you doing any bonus actions or anything, Riley? Or are we moving on?
4: Um, I think I may have made a mistake. I think I made things worse But no uh, Otherwise not
0: Okay that brings us to Zop's turn
4: Um Come buddy
3: could, he, could, he, could Zop try and grab on to um, Radford
0: Uh yeah sure Um, Let's make an acrobatics Or athletics check acrobatics. To achieve that That is a
3: nine
0: uh, I know that Radford is also reaching for you as well. So I'm going to say that although your check fails because you're reaching towards him, I'll give Radford advantage on the check to to bring you in um, okay. on his turn.
3: And then I saw that the bolt failed.
0: Yes, you saw the Eldritch Bolt failed.
3: Okay, then uh, I'm not doing anything else.
0: Okay. Uh, that brings us to... The creature... Um, this thing is is kind of breaking apart and reforming as the shadow and the the light patches of the of the area it moves through, and it's going to roll over on its back, and it gives this inhuman and it kind of reaches towards Owlin, and the shadows stretch towards you. They get longer and longer, and the hooks, rather than being hooked fangs, they it almost, like, stabs towards you like a bunch, like a, like a field of little knives being thrown at you. It rolls a 21 to hit. Yeah, it hits. 21 to hit hits you. You take five points of piercing damage, not to your hit point maximum. Um, and it so it stabs towards you and then it's going to it needs a roll of 17 or higher to pull off what it's trying to do here comes the roll that's a 15 on the die Um, so it doesn't do anything else with its turn it continues falling and that brings us to Owlin's turn
1: Okay, Alan. What's within 15 feet of Alan? Obviously, the creature. Um, and Are not any of my allies within 15 feet of me? Uh, no, but there's some mud slide. Okay, great. That's actually great. Um, is there a, any cliff wall within 15 feet of Alan?
0: Uh, the mud slide is, slide is going along the cliff wall, so there's probably okay. some solid and some falling mud.
1: Okay. Um, Alan is going to cast Thunder Wave with the intention of, he thinks that it's unlikely that Thunderwave will necessarily push this monster away from him because it's magic and it's not light necessarily. However, he's hoping that maybe the Thunderwave will propel against the cliff wall and uh, alter his course enough to not be on the, um, like, because it launches things 10 feet. So he's hoping that maybe if it's against the cliff wall, then that'll actually push him out 10 feet and alter his course towards like away from the arcane circle
0: yeah a wave of thunderous force roars out from owlin in every direction the um the sound of it echoing back up the vertical shaft of geyser falls kind of amplified and cannoning upwards it's not enough to damage you but boy does it hurt your ears the rest of you um as this thunder (laughs) rolls up the the cavern and down it um alan you are successfully pushed off course do you want to go towards the wall or towards the party
1: towards the party um also does it does it move the shadow creature at all
0: uh no the shadow creature okay. is not moved at all does
1: it uh, and should i even roll damage like no. will it okay that's what i thought um so alan will alan's goal was to be propelled back towards his his party
0: great and alan is um, okay. And so Alan is now basically free-falling, but in control of himself. Um, and he's right next to an ice boulder, which has a Radford on it, <laughs> reaching out towards Zop. And Riley is kind of hanging on for dear life, legs, saying, legs if, and if, wings kicked up behind.
1: <laughs> if Alan can kind of like use the movement part of his action to try to grab on to the ice boulder, he'll try to do that. Uh, okay. I don't um, know if that's doable in the same turn, but
0: you sure you can get a hand on it you're not going to be able to like get on top of it this turn or anything but yeah you you you're able to bind your fate to theirs if you will yeah okay Um, sounds good and that concludes alan's turn and brings us to radford
2: i'm reaching out first thing okay what's my dc
0: uh your dc is 15 is this uh, acrobatics advantage. or athletics? Uh, athletics or strength. Fifteen. Fifteen. Attacker wins in the tie. Um, you are able to grab a soaking wet, you know, wings splattered down against his back, um, Zoph, and just pull him over to the side. So you've got Zoph in one hand. You've got Riley trailing off your like your your neckline or your your um, what do you call that? Your collar. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you've got Alan holding onto your ice boulder on the other side. <laughs> As all of you are looking down, you hear the voice of your Tinkali uh, companion yelling up, um, I can stop the circle! And you hear this crash impact noise. And all of the whispers that you've been hearing go away. Um, oh. The rest oh. of your circumstance is still not great. Uh, the, the, the shade is growling and doing its thing and falling down ahead of you. You can still see it plummeting towards the ground. But you can also see that the scorpion, the Tinkali, has, um, does not appear to have survived the impact. Well, no. But it, it impacted itself in such a way where its scorpion stinger broke the runes of the arcane circle on the ground. Jeez. Um, and so wow. it, like its own body skidding across its own mass, was enough to just destroy the the power of the arcane circle. Um, and and it, it's now lying there. Did <laughs> go breath. off
1: the cliff saying, now this is an honorable death"?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's he did yeah, that. I mean, That's true. <laughs> um, and so now Task we have
2: failed successfully.
0: There are, <laughs> there are two rounds until impact as we get back okay, to the top okay. of the initiative order with Riley.
4: Radford, I, I don't have anything that I think can damage him. Uh, I have I have something. I have an idea. Just give me one moment.
1: Uh, you want me to punch him, boss? Uh, no, uh, I am going to I can cast- punch him. I, I am going to cast light on this boulder. Okay. Light seems okay. to
0: damage it.
4: Um.
0: Twenty seconds left in this turn.
4: I'm okay I to can fall. Help with something, uh, am, am I gonna be okay? Uh, you can if, fly. Well, I meant with the water? I'm not so sure of that. But all right, I'm gonna try to Three. um One. kind of uh fly out to Owlin and touch him and cast okay. Guidance.
0: Okay. Um, make a strength save to maintain your power of flight after touching Allen, but you're able to get to Allen and give him guidance.
2: Okay, grab onto Allen. Yeah, or uh, that I'll just grab onto Allen.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, strength or athletics to determine how hard you're holding on to
4: Um I'll do an athletics. Uh, let me go back up to that. Okay. Um,
0: That—that's a, a five. That's a five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you try, but your hand kind of slips, and you don't grab hold of Alan. You're already falling at terminal velocity. Like it—you're still next to him. You're just—you still haven't quite grabbed hold of him. Your hands are kind of scrabbling right. over his wet. He has no clothes to grab, so that's you're just true. like over his slick, muscly you arms. My... You know, there's
1: suspenders on my tool belt. You can grab one of those, <laughs> but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Falling next to a mostly. And slippery. <laughs> <laughs> um, which brings us to Zop's turn.
3: Zop can't do any attacks that would damage him, but he do, does have something he can do. So I have this uh, feature called Fae Present. Once per okay. short rest, as an action, you can cause each creature in a ten foot cube from you to make a Wisdom saving throw or become charmed or frightened until the end of your next turn. And is he within ten feet?
0: Uh, he's he's eh, he's probably within ten feet. You're all falling at terminal velocity, but okay. He's immune to charmed and frightened.
3: Nah, I I wasn't sure. Yeah. Do I lose that ability?
0: Uh, no. It, okay. You try Uh-oh. it. It doesn't hit, and you're. You still have the, the thing.
3: Then I'm just hanging on to a rat bird for now.
0: Okay. Uh, Taking here.
3: the dodge action.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so you can dodge the waterfall that's flinging you towards the ground. That brings us to <laughs> uh, the creature's turn. The creature is going to try that thing again, so it needs... 18 on the die and it gets a 12 so it does not pull off its its movement ability it is going to reach up and try and attack again um it rolled a 24 to hit owlin
1: am i not out of its range
0: i it's it like cola the shadows kind of coalesce towards you like it stretches itself towards you and makes an attack basically
1: oh dang well that hits
0: okay um the attack deals one more point of damage uh, to Alvin. Okay. One more point of of damage as the shadows kind of you know reach out towards you and you get that same kind of sharp burning feeling um, on your flesh where it where it hits you, and it gives another inhuman growl. Uh, it is now Alden's turn.
1: How big is this boulder?
0: This boulder is pretty big. It's a thirty foot cone. So thirty a,
2: foot. Dang it! Right? Isn't uh, that isn't that
0: Redford's? Cone?
2: technically it's like an icicle and not a boulder because it's a 30 foot
0: line oh okay so it's like a sure
2: gotcha. well yeah. either
1: way uh, um okay. okay 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 uh alan is going to alan until i knew the dimension of it alan was hoping to cast light on it if but mm. light can't be cast on something that's bigger than 10 feet on one side mm. 20 seconds um on this time. Okay, Alan is going to cast light instead on... What does he have in his inventory that he can cast light on? Uh, rod. That's true. He doesn't want to, like, wave the rod around t- towards this guy, though. Uh, he, has, he has a spare torch. He's going to cast light on a torch. Okay. Uh, and... Um, which will have bright light that will extend 20 feet. And he will draw that torch out of his tool belt. He'll cast light on it and then like wave it at, you know, strike it at this uh, this guy.
0: Okay. Um, as the shadows are sort of reforming and trying to coalesce back, you're able to swing the torch through them. And where you hit the tendrils of shadow stretching out towards you, they are severed from the creature itself. Okay. It gives a great shrieking growl <laughs> from beneath you as it's falling and you get, you've done serious damage to this thing. You get the impression okay. that it's not very resilient to light at all, um, okay. and or other radiant damages. And um, it continues falling. To be clear, next round is when we hit possible. like we have one more round there is, after Yeah, this so one. this round will end, and there will be and another then, round, and then everyone will impact. Okay,
1: okay. That's good to know. That's Alan's turn then. All
0: right. Where were um,
1: you during the Radford,
0: impact. your turn.
2: Oh crap, I was gonna do something. But now I have to think about saving your butts. Okay. Um, dang it. 20 seconds. Uh, Riley's in the air. Okay. Um,
4: I- I'll figure right. something so what, out, Matt. What he's going
2: to do is he's going to flip up and kick the top of the icicle so that it turns at like a 45 degree angle. And he's going to use his another one of his ice breaths to do like a zone, and uh, and kind of like make a like a big pathway. So is the, actually, no, dang, he can't do that.
0: Is the goal um, to make like a land bridge like to wedge it so it stops falling or is the goal to make something wide enough that everyone can ride it to the ground?
2: He was thinking riding it to the ground. Okay. What would he need to do for that?
0: I would need a strength or athletics check to uh, turn the boulder he's on. He's a monk, and it's cool, so he can do it with advantage. The DC, can I just attack B14. it? Yeah, sure. Roll a hit. That's fine.
2: That is a 21.
0: Yeah, so you, your first move, the kicking it into place works, and then your breath weapon. Um, I'm going to roll a tension die to see if any of the ice breaks, like, you know, hits on some sharp edge and isn't able to form into one large crystal. It does not. Um, The tension die came up clean. So that piece doesn't happen. And that brings us to the, well, I guess, so now you have this big wide thing that everyone can ride to the ground. Alan and Riley are not on it yet. They're falling next to it. So either Um, you can try and get them on there or next round they can try and grab hold of it.
2: I would like to jump out at them And trade places with them Like jump out Grab and swing So th- I can throw them behind me And kind of fling myself Towards the shade creature And fling okay. them behind me towards If the Alan ice. is
1: able to He would like to Whatever difficult check it is That's fine Alan would like to pass the, the torch with light cast on it To Radford as he does this
0: Okay Alan's gonna make a Dexterity save And Radford is gonna make an athletics or strength check To fling the others behind him The jumping part is easy For a monk such as Radford
2: The Could I make a case since this is more Of like angles and, and like Crazy movement could I make a case for Acrobatics over athletics
0: No cause acrobatics is for safely navigating Downwards but this Is not like you're not the one doing the navigating What Radford's trying to do is Get them on the right trajectory
1: If it helps Okay Howland got a natural 20 on his dexterity.
0: Sure. Roll with advantage, Radford.
1: So he successfully hands off the baton, the light baton. That Howland just better.
0: lets go of the baton, right? So that Radford can throw him out of the way and then just grab it as it falls next yeah. to him. I got an 18. Man. 18? Yep. Nice. Uh, you successfully fling both of them behind you, and you find next to you, like this glowing stick that you realize is a torch, just kind of spinning it. He it grabs and into it into in his mouth.
2: Uh, it's a bite. Perfect.
0: It. He has done so. Uh, the other two of you are now, like, basically over the ice bridge that he made. Um, and that concludes his turn. Actually. Oh, never mind.
2: I did two attacks. Or, like, I did, yeah, I did two attacks. I did an attack on the ice and then the breath, which I can use as my multi-attack. Okay. And that means that I can do a bonus action, uh, blah, 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 what's it called? Flurry of Blows. And I would like to throw three, uh, two punches at this creature.
0: Like with the torch?
2: No, like with his fists.
0: Okay. Um, roll to hit
2: um, I, believe, that's like, I
0: believe with the
1: torch it will do more damage personally I, that's that is my <laughs> scientific
0: observation <laughs> that's my scientific observation Alan says 18, the ball flies away behind 18 to hit okay and 18 is enough to hit and then
2: the other one is a 29 to hit
0: <laughs> well that's gonna hit what kind of damage are you dealing here
2: so I have a new monk thing within the last level or so that M- Radford's punches are now fueled with key energy. And so they att- they act as magical attacks for the purposes of breaking through immune- damage immunities and resistances. Oh, do
0: they? Well, go yeah. ahead and roll damage then.
2: Nice. Um... Dang, I rolled double sixes on my D6s, so that's 12 plus 10 plus 2. 12 <laughs> plus 12. 24 points of damage as you just cow into this thing. The timing and like works infuses out. this cold, like life energy into them.
0: The timing works out perfectly. So you leap off of the ice bridge you've made. You grab hold of Owlin's leg in one hand, and you grab Riley by the foot in the other hand, and you fling them behind you so that you're diving straight down head first. You grab the torch with a bite, and then you swing your feet in front of you to ready this great big punch. And then you do your little monk thing where you, wah, wah, your fists kind of blur into a double punch, a flurry of blows, if you will. And as you punch the shadow, you time it just as it comes into a beam of the sunlight stretching down the shaft. So it's already splitting apart and your punches are so strong and so swift with their magical energy that you just tear the thing to shreds. And as it bursts apart, you hear as if it were right next to you. The sound of a ship cresting over the waves, the sails pulling taut, and then that fades away and you hear a dog barking. And then the dog barking fades away and you hear the sound of birds chirping and then that fades away and you hear a lightning strike. And then it boom, is done and there's silence and there's nothing except about 100 feet between you and the ground where there is oh, that's a- fine. Uh, where there is a, a dead Tinkali, huge scorpion creature laying there, stinger down luckily um, <laughs> laying there on the ground and above you, behind you is this large land bridge with your companions on it. Is that the end of Redford's turn?
2: Uh, no, I have a little bit of movement left. <laughs> okay. Um, so how much movement did he use to get over there?
0: Uh, probably about 20 feet.
2: 20 feet? Uh, okay, so I'm going to run straight down the rest of the 25 feet that i have which should bring me to 75 feet from the ground and my slow fall will negate 70 feet of damage so, okay. I, he can so just the next touch round, down he'll just on the ground fall. he'll take like 10 feet of damage okay
0: yeah so you could just roll 1d6 of fall damage for radford the other three of you i'm not really oh, going to keep six. this in initiative order here you're all on this bridge as it's falling are you doing anything before impact
1: Alan's um, gonna rage before impact to try to half whatever damage he ends up taking. Okay. Well, um, uh, go, go ahead. ahead oh. <laughs> um, Zop
3: has Misty Escape, so he's gonna like um just stab himself with his pen to deal damage because it's when you take damage you can use your reaction to turn invisible and teleport up to 60 feet to an unoccupied space you can see okay. it's the Alan rage strat punch himself in the face before he hits the crowd <laughs> <laughs> you remain invisible until the start of your next turn or until you attack take one a point spell.
0: of piercing damage and then you were able yep. to um, roll a, a dexterity check just to nail the timing but roll it with advantage because of all the help that um, Radford has given you Natural oh, he's 20, on me, isn't he? Baby. Natural 20. No, you left us back at the... On the bridge. I was on the bridge. I thought Zopf was on me, though. Well, either way, he's just Zopf. teleported to safety. So, oh, okay. with his oh, Nat 20. Yeah, no big deal. Hey, Grubbug. Welcome to the chat. You missed uh, an event. Um an insane fight. Uh, okay, so then that's... Uh, we just need to know what Riley is going to do as you plunge toward the um, ground last 100 feet.
4: I'm going to go ahead and just try to uh slow my descent with my flying ability
0: okay um you're falling at 100 feet per round you can fly at 60 feet per round so you'll take 40 feet of fall damage which would be 3d6 all right um, I,
4: if i'm gonna take damage since that's my movement i'm also gonna cast armor of agathus mm. um okay. and i'm and I cast that at i think third level
2: Oh, that's cool! You like absorb all the water from around you and just like ice armor up.
0: Everything's yeah, cast at exactly. fifth level. Cool. Leo. Everything. Oh, well, it's it? it's just your, all your spell slots are fifth level. It doesn't matter what what level you, you can cast at third if you want to. Um, so oh, you. Break. That's just
4: my warlock. Sorry, you I just can, have like, up to five gang up to spells. level
0: five available. It's fine. Um, so you you do and like like Wash said you know the the water kind of coalesces into little plate armor chinks around you, um, and you just kind of like you know take take the hero knee as the ice bridge slams into the ground and shatters into two directions. Owlin, um, you've done your preparation, right? You're just raging and you're going to take the hit.
1: Is is raging and for flavor, his ethereal wings uh, sprout out and. They, like, look like they're trying to break his fall. Obviously, they don't actually do anything, but for okay. flavor, he's... The, but, um, yeah, he's his goal is to, like, okay, Ice Bridge is going to take some of this fall, like, break some of my fall, because it's going to shatter on impact, and then Rage, hopefully, will do the rest.
0: Cool. The Ice Bridge is going to have the impact, so you're only... You're taking 50 taking feet of fall damage. damage, which is 4d6, so I'm going to roll those. 1, 2, 3, 4. And this fall damage... Is um, so. Uh, Riley is trying to negate ten plus two is twelve, and then Owlin is working with fifteen points of damage before whatever your rage has given you.
1: Okay, so seven. Okay.
0: Um, as the all. as the ice bridge slams into the ground, Owlin, looking furious with his spectral wings behind him, yeah. looks over at Riley, uh, sheathed in ice, doing the superhero landing on one <laughs> knee as the ice <laughs> shatters around her. Um both of you look over to the side as zopf kind of shimmers into visibility and then Radford kind of casually walks down, like you know, lands a feather fall <laughs> after the rest of you have landed. He just kind of floats down to a to a landing um, and you are now at the base of Glacier Falls. Sister, um, you okay? Glacier Falls, Geyser Falls. Do you,
4: do you need healing, Alan?
1: Uh, uh I wouldn't complain for some healing. I wouldn't refuse it. However, uh Compared to the last time I fell a similar height, this was not nearly as bad: Who well, needs a cookie?: I,
2: take I would a love cookie. a cookie.: Here at I the base, some of my I, cookies.
0: Here at the base of Geyser Falls, there are a few things to see. First, um, beneath the dead form of the Tinkali who leapt down here with you is the destroyed um, arcane circle. You don't know exactly what it would have done or could do, but one of you can in, you know, can investigate it if you want to or roll our con oh. or whatever. Also, I- as you look to the left and right, you can see that here at the base, um, you're not actually at the base of Geyser Falls. So this little panel of rock is an outcropping from a tunnel that extends away from you Deeper into the rusty jungle And towards the peaks So if we look at our map here You're at space 27 where the rusty geyser is The tunnel leads towards space 38 The beginning of the high peaks Um, If you look over the edge Of this little platform you're standing on The falls continue on For another who knows how long It's dark and the water is falling And you can't see to the bottom Um, And that's kind of what you see From where where you've landed Um, Riley has a hand up What's up?
4: Yeah, so it only took us, like, a couple of seconds to fall, right?
0: Yeah, it took you five rounds, so that's 30 seconds.
4: Okay, and obviously during that time, the Takali was falling as well. So the Takali's only been dead for...
0: Like, two rounds.
4: Two rounds. Um, is their body, like, I... I, I Recognize it's taken a lot of damage But is it mostly intact in terms of Like did it disintegrate when it hit The ground because it also had to remove the sigil So I assume that It still was a mass It is still a mass yes Uh, Can I cast revivify You sure can I will cast revivify
0: (sighs) (sighs) He sits up and And looks around in shock
4: uh, I'm going to wink you, at, um, and Alan Allen and be like,
0: you, you killed him. My, 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 my death. Was it, was it noble? Was it glorious
4: to watch? It was amazing. Not that only that. always really was
0: cool. You are, oh, whoa, you are so much smaller than I thought you were when we were in the dark. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs>
4: You, you also, you killed the <sighs> thing that
0: that right. killed your clan members. You don't, you don't need to lie. I know I passed through it, but I sure killed the hell out of its cloak. And he holds up the tatters of the cloak <laughs> that he, like, ripped off of the shade. He goes, that was cool. Whoa! That, whoa. Dying really does a lot for the lungs. Goodness gracious. <laughs>
2: <sighs> I hand him a cookie.
4: Yeah, he, he is there only at go. one hit point.
0: <laughs> oh, my word. And he, he takes the cookie and he takes a deep bite and he like, oh, this is something else. I have not felt Ooh, like I this. Fell in many a moon, I think I need to rest. And it's starting to like the adrenaline's wearing off, and he's like, boy, I am fatigued. And he kind of sits back on his, you know, he's, he's like a centaur, so he's got, you know, he sits back on the, the, the scorpion body, kind of comes to a rest, and the tail curls around himself, and he picks up the cookie, and he very slowly and methodically, like someone in shock would do, begins kind of like nibbling the cookie that Radford has given him. And I think there's some HP in that, right, Radford? Or something like yeah, that healing? yeah. Okay, so he gets a little bit of healing from there.
3: Um, Josh. Mm -hmm. Um, Could I investigate what's left of the sigil, either with arcana, like just to figure out what it was doing?
0: Yep. I will allow among the group an investigation, an arcana, and a religion. You may decide who gets to roll each one because you can only roll them once. I'm Uh, pretty good at religion. Okay.
1: I guess I'll take investigation. That sounds great. Um, Alan will also, as things are kind of settling, Alan will say, uh, "I I apologize for moving on alone and trusting that creature. Uh, appearances are not what they seem in this in this area, and I will take that into consideration from now on. I should have been more careful. I apologize."
4: It happens. I mean, I also trusted this Tinkali fellow here, and it seems to have worked out.
1: Your trust seems to have paid off. Yeah. Yes, I agree. We have a 50% success rate. That is correct in this case. Alan got um, a 26 on his investigation. 19 20. on Arcana.
2: 30, 20 on religion.
0: All right. Um, I'm going to tell you what you learned between the group of you. Oh, Oh, go ahead. Can I draw a picture of it? Yeah, absolutely. You could draw a <laughs> picture of it. Uh, it is pouring water around you, <laughs> so uh, you could go deeper into the tunnel maybe and draw your a picture. picture. Or you um, can draw it in the water.
4: I'm probably going to just pull my wings up above my head and just hold a tiny little book in front of me.
0: Okay. Um, so the first thing that happens uh, is whichever of you rolled... Um, religion uh actually let's let's start with arcana the one of you who rolled arcana you recognize the circle uh zopf you recognize the circle as necromancy um something about this circle brings does something to the undead but the level of complexity of the runes in this circle is such that had you rolled any lower you would not have known anything about it luckily you as a studious creature you spend a lot of time in city hall you know how to do research and you know how to sit down and puzzle something out and so although you don't recognize the incantations you're certainly not a necromancer um, you're able to sort of the equivalent of sounding something out phonetically you're able to kind of piece together the parts you do know and fill in the gaps to um, put together at least the intent of the circle if you you probably couldn't recreate the spell you couldn't build another one but you can kind of figure out what it was trying to do this circle was a target a bullseye and when a creature or more likely based on the strength of this the incantation an adventurer of low level was thrown onto the circle they would be dragged down here die in the fall and be brought back as a corrupted necromantic servant of whatever creature is in charge of this circle, um, the the circle itself as an arcane circle, like it would have needed arcane power, which we know doesn't work. So the only solution is there must be some kind of auxiliary magical power source for this circle to have done anything to have functioned properly. Um, but so you're able to kind of put those pieces together, Owlin. With your investigation, um, you can tell. That the circle has been etched many, many times. Clearly, mm. the power of the water has been strong enough to, you know, erode and disrupt the 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 magic um, of this circle, and so it needs to be reformed. There would need to be a creature to upkeep it. And as you're investigating, you remember those sharp claws that were a yeah. piece of the shadow creature, and it seems it seems likely that this creature was not a minion, but rather the master of this scenario, right? It probably created the circle was in charge of that circle. Um, and as you're thinking about it, you're, you're like, well, it was able to kind of split pieces of its shadow off. It's not unreasonable to think that the creature was also acting like a sort of battery where like it could go and refill on magical energy and then use parts of itself to, Um, To activate the circle you remember that when it tried to kill you it brought itself with you it leapt off the circle with you so probably its plan was when it came in contact with the the necromantic magic a piece of itself would be kind of burnt to activate the circle and then eventually it would obviously have to go somewhere and recharge and at that point it would be very weak. And as you kind of look up and you look down the tunnel that's right next to it, very easily accessible, leading deeper into the mountains, it seems reasonable that this is the only path it could have taken from that point.
1: It seems reasonable that uh,
0: this is the pathway to, uh, to
1: do Bumblefoot. That's
0: what as, will tell them. as as you two are having these realizations, Radford, you sit down and take a look at the circle, but you clock it as as something arcane immediately. There's nothing really divine about the the spell here. Although you can tell from from what Zoph was able to observe that it is running on divine magic rather than arcane magic, which again supports the theory that Do Bumblefoot is being used as the power source, or at least you know some auxiliary is carrying that divine energy over here. But what Radford is able to piece together has more to do with the creature itself. Um, when the creature died, you heard—if—if if you can call it a death—when it when it severed, when it separated, when it when it collapsed in on itself, you heard a bunch of seemingly random energies come to light. Right? You heard the sound of this boat. Roaring through the waves. heard the sound of a dog barking, a bird chirping, a lightning striking the ground. These seemingly disconnected, random, spontaneous uh, happenings. And we know that the creature is made up of some kind of magical energy. What Radford is able to put together is that those spontaneous happenings are hallmarks of one of the planes. The plane of Limbo is known for basically being a series of spontaneous manifestations when, you know, the, it is rumored Radford's obviously never been there, but it's rumored Mm -hmm. that when a creature adventures to the plane of limbo, they are literally suspended in endless chaos. Um, however, a creature in limbo is able to impose a bubble of order into that world if they have the mental fortitude to pull it off. So basically, for a creature to successfully navigate that plane rather than spontaneously erupting into flames or turning into a chicken or whatever, any of the other bazillion random occurrences that could happen to you, that creature would need to be diligent and focused enough to maintain its own bubble of reality in that space. It almost seems like this creature you're fighting is that same thing. It was like a a bubble of reality crafted from the energy of the Plane of Limbo, that chaos energy held in place in some way, and when you killed it, that focus relaxed, and it split into a bunch of those spontaneous manifestations before fading away. You don't know what all that means for the world, but you're pretty confident this creature is made up of the chaos energy of the Plane of Limbo. Mm -hmm. That is
1: quite mm. interesting, Radford. I...
2: Couldn't have put I it any more, Better uh, myself. I'm pretty good with words like that. <laughs>
1: yes, you are. Um, I do not know what to make of that. It would seem to um, me that perhaps the... Well, if we think back, where are the Aboleths from? And Alan will try to think about what plane the Aboleths are from. Are they from Limbo?
0: The Aboleths inhabit the plane of Limbo.
1: Yep. Well, in that Ooh. case, that means that the aboliths have grown enough strength to essentially manifest creatures of energy from their home plane. That or does not mean built a, a gateway and it's starting to seep through. Perhaps. And given the experiences that have been happening around Gaim, that that uh, that would make sense. That that theory would be supported. Wait a minute, wait Why a minute, wait a minute.
2: What if the spell that we need to put together to banish them, what if the location that it happens at is at a place where it's thin? The connection between our plane, the plane of limbo is thin so as to push that across. Where would babble. Maybe it's close by
3: Hmm
2: This I'm is Not sure
4: Very interesting I To think that such a creature would Give us so much information Well
1: it's a good thing that we brought This team so that we can Investigate these things and make our own Observations and theories This is exactly why I wanted to bring you all
0: Not not to interrupt this fascinating intellectual discourse. Your Tinkali companion has chimed in. (laughs) He's finished his cookie and he's looking mildly rested. And he says, but I think we have more immediate concerns. And he points down the tunnel. And as you look down the tunnel, you can see shapes moving towards you. Humanoid figures shuffling oddly, groaning a little bit. The necromantic adventurers that were corrupted by the shade that guarded geyser falls. And on that note, tonight's Dungeons and Dragons oh session comes to a close. Woo. We will see you next week, next Monday, when the gang attempts to make it through the spooky tunnel and to We're back. the city of nowhere. We're back, baby. Oh, we back. <laughs>